of all the things that you're doing, some of them will have far more impact on your business than other things. And that's the Pareto principle, so the 80-20 rule. In fact, 20% of the things you're doing will get you 80% of your results and 4% of the things you're doing will get you 64% of the results. So that means 96% of the stuff you're doing is, is getting you like 36% of your results. It's, just, it's not really a good return on time investment, is it? James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. G'day listeners and welcome back to Freedom Ocean, episode 75. I am Timbo Reed, and right there is James Shramko. Jimmy James. G'day, mate. Yeah, it's good to get you back on, even though the circumstances um, are not favorable. For the reason why you're available right now, uh, tell us about that. <laughs> well, I have a, I don't have a broken arm, I have a fractured radial head, which basically have a fracture in my elbow. Fell off a bike. And, um, mate, now you literally, um, I've just come back from well, what was meant to be a nine day bike ride. It turned out to be three for me, but my daughter did finish it. So I kind of hung around for her. So now I can literally, all I can do is sit on a microphone and talk on the phone. Isn't that lucky that, uh, that's pretty much part of your job is you get paid to talk. Yeah, totally. It could be a lot worse. In fact, it, it was a lot worse for one poor fellow. He was killed on the bike ride. So um, my um, – On the what? On the same one? Same one. Yeah, there were 3,800 people on this ride. Isn't this a lesson in perspective? You'll have one guy who probably finishes the bike ride pissed off with his result, thinking he could have done better. Mm. Another guy has busted his arm, which is called a head for some reason, and another guy has not even made it back. Correct. And – so no matter how bad things are going, there's pretty much always someone going worse. Mate, I agree with that. And uh, whilst we're here to talk today uh, about putting, getting some support in your business, which we'll come to shortly, uh, perspective is everything. Uh, and I, I just noticed one of the things I noticed in the lead up to going away, because I have been away for a few days, was that there's quite, I've had a number of people just, I don't know, approach me, phone calls members of my forum, um, people who have been at events that I've been speaking at who are just kind of finding things a bit tough and whilst I don't take away from the fact that things may be a bit tough for them, I think perspective is is a really powerful way of looking at things and always there's always someone worse. Well, a great way to get perspective is, um, well, when you're in a situation like I was where I was very comfortable with the way the business is going is to start something brand new and to remind yourself of all that hardship and learning curve that you go through to get to that place where you're comfortable. And I think you've been through that process with your bike riding. Mm, big time. And and you with your surfing. Like you weren't a hardcore bike rider before, were you? No. Nah. Mate, I... You would have crushed a bicycle when I first met you. I would laugh at those middle-aged, middle-aged men in Lycra, James. <laughs> big time. And now you are one. Now I am one. And you've had the same experience with picking up surfing 12 months in and you, you know. Yeah, it's like a one-year journey and it's just phenomenal how many lessons there are that give you the perspective. I think it's actually helped me relate better to my own customers who are going through that journey. I've even prepared materials for them recently. They've asked questions like, you know, how do you go from – 
just one person struggling away in the middle of the night because they know that was my gig to being able to build up a bit of support around you. Um, it helps me sort of switch back into that mindset. I reflect back through that learning curve. And I think the, the overarching lesson, whether it's bike riding or surfing or starting your own business, is that it's pretty much always going to be really hard in the beginning and there will be there will be rewards for pushing through and finding the right path and persisting to the point where you can be doing it well like the people who you can see out there. And one of the best lessons in perspective that I ever had was seeing really successful people and knowing that, well, you know, if they can do this, then why not me? It's just a matter of application and doing the right things. Totally, totally. And, uh, you know, it's actually really healthy to take on something new and give yourself that perspective. I did a um, one of the last road shows I did this year in terms of speaking engagements was with a fellow by the name of Jeff Kennett. Jeff Kennett is an ex-premier of Victoria and, and he was quite a, quite a character, still is. Uh, quite a character when he was premier. He uh, he got a lot of stuff done. He upset a lot of people, but he was larger than life. And um, he was the first speaker on this roadshow that I was on. I got to know him quite well. And he's very motivated. He's in his late 60s now. And one thing he said is always to have one big personal goal activated each year. So, um, you know, this for him next year, it was walking across the Simpson Desert. He's walk, He's done the Kokoda Trail and just you know, for me, it was this bike ride, the great Victoria bike ride that I tried to complete. It <laughs> didn't, but I'm going to do it again next year, you know, and it, I, you've spoken a lot um, about getting out of your comfort zone and, you know, going to a conference overseas or just doing something that you wouldn't normally do in your business to learn new stuff. I also would say that just picking up a new activity or big you know, something that you think you couldn't achieve and doing it because it opens up your mind. It's the same process, really. You know, I used to look across here at the, you know, way off in the distance around from Shelley Beach is this um, point break called um, the Bower, Fairy Bower, and it looks pretty hardcore. Like, it's way out there. It's off rocks and there's this huge swell just wraps around the corner. And I've now been able to surf that about five or six times had the longest, biggest waves. There was no swell. There was no swell on those days, but you know. You, you... Oh, there was swell. I mean, there's a rock the size of a car that you have to avoid, uh, and it. when it when it's sitting right in front of you, it's quite frightening. Yeah. yeah. However, uh, the the point is, I you know, a year ago I wasn't even really wasn't even surfing. I could struggle to paddle out. Like I'd get out the back through all the whitewash and I'd be exhausted and ready to go in and had no chance of standing up on the way in. Mm-hmm. And now it's um, it's just opened up. It's basically unlocked a different world that was a you know it was always available to me, but I had to choose to pursue it and I had to put in the effort. I had to put in a daily, uh, consistent effort and overcome many many spills and challenges and and uh, you know little injuries and. And sometimes it's cold, <laughs> you know, like it's not all, it's not always an easy progression, but we should celebrate that the challenges and, and the richness of overcoming a challenge is where the real growth comes. Correct. 
Correct. And I think the growth by, by doing different things, it's a bit like I've heard if, you know, if you're right-hander and you use your left hand, it opens up a different side of your brain. I, I've been just simply because I, I have hurt my right arm, so I can't write. Typing's a bit of a pain. I've started using dictation, you know, on the, on the MacBook Pro. If you hit function, function twice, it opens up voice to text. And I've been using that these last few days. And again, mm. just something that simple, I, I've just noticed my thinking is a little bit different. So I guess to wrap up that kind of discussion, which could go for a much longer time, is to say that doing things, doing different things opens up different parts of your mind and um, frees you to uh, maybe get out of a rut that you may find yourself in. And, and the other thing, if, if you want to be, if you want to master things, there is actually a process. It's pretty much the same process, whether it's cooking, writing, surfing, building your own business. There will be a methodology that you can mm-hmm. repeat. Uh, you know, I, kn- I know you will have approached your bike riding the same way you've mm-hmm. approached your business because it's it's baked in now yep. to your psyche. You'll be looking for that uh, challenge and looking for that progression uh, and constantly pushing yourself a little bit. You, you've already set a target next year of exceeding where you got this year, so you're already benchmarking from your own performance. Yep, yep, practice, benchmarking. And if you happen to be an expert or a master in an industry already, then try doing something new so that you can be humbled again and reflect uh, and relate better to your audience who are going through that struggle right now. Yeah. There's lessons in everything, huh? <laughs> Everything's a lesson. Yeah, so <laughs> Everything. I always get accused on, um, on my other podcast of – I'm not accused, but I, I always apologize when I say something woo-woo, you know, like, oh, you know, mm listen to the universe or there's a lesson in that despite the fact that it's not related to what you're doing in your business or, you know, listen to other – listen out for other signals, watch out for other signals. But it's so true, you know. We, it's particularly the, the, the listeners who are tuning in who are very rationally minded, they might not get that kind of concept of the woo-woo but um, there's a whole other side of life which is much more emotional and spiritual. Yeah, I'm with you on that page too. I mean, you know, connecting with the the wave energy is something about it. Hard to explain until you do it. But mm. it's it is, and and certainly a lot of my research now I've been reading about great surfers of the past, and a lot of them are connected to the the what they call watermen. Um, but one down your way was Wayne Lynch. You know, he's he was off Lynchy. He's surfing by himself in these huge swells off the south of Australia and shark infested water and. No one else would go out with him. It was too scary. But he would, he would just, uh, he'd even see a great white shark, give him an eye, and then he'd go back out again. Like, wow. <laughs> he's got big balls, I'll tell you that. Massive. Massive. Wow. So let's talk about a, a business lesson relating to internet marketing so that we can further our listeners' chance of having their own freedom machine. Correct. So uh, let's talk then. It is the end of the year. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I want to do next year is get a little bit of, bit smarter with the way um, I use my time and stop doing a lot of the things that are taking up time and not necessarily producing uh, income or a lifestyle that I'm really kind of I'm wanting. And one of those, I've always been poor at getting support, you know. What are the biggest challenges with that? Uh, delegation. It's my way or the highway. Uh, you know, I can. If I want to get something done, it's best if I do it. Finding that that right person, getting clear 
on what it, who that person should be. I don't mean specifically, but the type of um, person they should be, how to train them up quickly so that they hit the ground running. Lots of challenges. Well, what first? Let's just challenge a few of those paradigms. So, so we'll do some framework on this. Mm. First one's your personal capacity, right? You you are literally like, let's say, a bucket of water, and there is a limit. In your case, it's probably a couple of hundred hours a month. At at that point, you pour any more water in, it's just going over the top of the bucket. Like it's you run out of capacity to to do stuff. So mm-hmm. you have a finite resource of your own time. So that's the first step to logically pulling this apart is the acknowledgement that there is a limit to Tim's time. The second part is that of all the things that you're doing, some of them will have far more impact on your business than other things and that's the Pareto principle, so the 80-20 rule. In fact, 20% of the things you're doing will get you 80% of your results and 4% of the things you're doing will get you 64% of the results. So that means mm. 96% of the stuff you're doing is, is getting you like 36% of your results. It's, just, it's not really a good return on time investment, is it? Mm. No. So a natural step is to write down everything that you're doing or record everything you're doing for a cycle. You know, that might be a week could be a month depending if you have a steady routine or not. And then you want to seek to identify which of the things, and you might, you might be able to segment them in different ways, but a simple way might be you could segment the high-impact things. So you speaking from stage might be a high-impact thing because you're getting paid the big bucks per hour. Then you'll have the sort of medium stuff that you, know, you could do or you couldn't necessarily have to do. They're doing something but nothing. And then there's the low stuff. And remember to include stuff that might fall outside the business, strictly speaking here. It could be things such as mowing the lawn or repairing a tire on your bicycle or um, (laughs) preparing meals, for example, because there's lots of options for you to eat healthy outside the house now as, as well. So there are ways that you can get rid of this low yield stuff. And typically you'll want to be hiring or finding somebody to take whatever low yield or medium stuff you, you shouldn't be doing off your plate. And of course, one of the obvious ones is to just delete stuff. There's probably things you're doing that have absolutely no impact at all, like get you no results. Mm. I'll give you some wild examples. Uh, one of the popular blogging uh, blogs just deleted their Facebook page. They figured that… Yeah, I saw that. Is that a copy blogger? Yeah, has no result for them. Not worth the effort. I loved. I loved seeing that. So, well, imagine how much less effort's involved when you just say, "Okay, well, we'll just turn that off." Yeah, yeah. And I've done this. Uh, one of the things I've done recently is clean up my huge domain portfolio. I've literally uh, sold or deleted the bulk of my portfolio to get it down to the core because now that the the way that we do our SEO has changed and. Uh, we've had the value from the domains. A lot of them are no longer going to be useful for me. And in line with that, I was able to reduce my staffing overhead allocated to managing those sites. And I was also able to reduce our server requirements, literally going from uh, four, five servers down to just two. So uh, if you were to go back a couple of years ago, we had about 20 servers. And 2,000 domains. Yeah. So 
as things change, you, you know, the, the best win is to just delete, like just stop doing something if you possibly can. The next one might be to automate using software. So, for example, if you find you're going back and forth with your email, you know, making appointments with people, sometimes it's better just to put a scheduler and just let people book in the times without you being involved at all. All you get is a notification. So using schedule once or time trade, you can do that. So this is personal optimization. So just a quick recap. You've got a limited amount of hours. You know that some of your activities have a high impact and you've listed out all the stuff you do. You've crossed off anything that you just shouldn't do at all, like delete, delete, delete. You automate the ones that can be automated. Uh, so, for example, setting a recurring alert in your calendar to do a certain thing rather than forgetting stuff. Uh, letting software tools take over instead of you having to do stuff like autoresponders uh, or triggered emails when people visit a checkout page, for example, instead of you having to follow up people who were interested but never bought. And then the, the final step is, okay, of the stuff that's left, let's say this is the stuff you must do and only you can do and creates the absolute best value for your business. And then here's the stuff that someone else should do. So I'm going to get someone else to mow the lawn, someone else to, to, to make meals, someone else to repair things, someone else to clean, and someone else to wash my shirt, someone else to wash my car. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on um, you know the bits that, that aren't as easy to fulfill. Like everyone can hire a lawnmower, right? Where you're getting stuck, it sounds like is getting someone to support you in the business, like a support helper, a desk or a, um, the support desk person, a, a personal assistant or virtual assistant, that type of person. Correct. And I've had them before. Yeah, and you're probably hanging on to stuff. Maybe are you not being able to keep them busy or are you, is it that they're not being able to perform the role the way you'd like them to? I think there's a bit of a mix. 40 hours a week is not – I don't have 40 hours a week of work for them. I have differing types of work for them. I think one of the traps I fell into, and I know many small business owners do when they hear about the concept of a virtual assistant, you know, I stopped realize, – I realized this two or three years ago, but, you know, they're not magic – they're not magicians, you know, like they can't. No, it's not like an instant <laughs> no. solution. I think you hit on one of the solutions before. You said that training the right person up fast – well, the first person is probably realistically going to be a fairly slow transition. Mm. Now, there's two ways to do this. Actually, three ways. I'm going to just, just briefly touch on this, um, the types of person you might get. One is task sourcing. That's the mm. worst type. That's where you go and… One-offs. Yeah, you're going on to no Fiverr. You spend four hours finding someone to do a job for $5 that you could have mm. done yourself in two hours. Okay? It's not efficient. Or you have to send it back and forth five times because it's not quite there because you've got the cheapest supplier in the market. So task sourcing is a real-time suck. Ideally, if you're going to be doing task sourcing, you get a virtual assistant doing that for you, not you. So put it a layer behind you. The next one is a specialist service provider. So this is like the lawnmower or a chef. This is someone who just does that thing and they do it well. Like my business, we build websites, we do SEO. It's not efficient for someone to hire a person and try and train them how to build websites and maintain them and pay them 40, 40 hours a week when they can just come to my site, pay a set amount and have an exact deliverable done the same day 
instead of dicking around with that learning curve and the hiring and the training. So people are trying to hire and train people to do the wrong things. That's really the lesson there. If you can find a specialist provider, whether it's um, AdWords specialist, whether it's a hosting company, whether it's a conversion expert, website developer. Copywriter, graphic designer. Exactly. Hire them on a per job basis, not on an hourly fee. Or hire them on a retainer with a, a royalty or whatever, whatever deal you come up with. Make sure that it's effective for you and effective for them. And I think that's going to save you a lot of burden. And these are just basically contractors you can bring in and then uh, then they go. They're not really like an employee and you don't have all that responsibility of hiring, training, managing, firing because uh, that's time-consuming. The third one is where you bring in your own employee-like contractor, which is what you were talking about, this 40 hours per mm. week. Um, so assuming that that's the type of role you need, now, in my business, I've got quite a lot of full-time contractors and we have ongoing tasks that are always going to need being done that I definitely shouldn't be doing and that would be stuff like support, handling our customer tickets for jobs that are in progress, uh, updating customers with their reports when their uh, jobs are completed. We have people creating content, we have people building websites, we have people um, doing the marketing content rollout. So, for example, when we record a podcast like this, after we hang up, I'll drag the file into Dropbox. You'll go and ride your bicycle. I'll go and have a surf. And someone in my business will sit down with headphones and the keyboard and they'll start editing this podcast. I'll put the intro and the outro. They'll load it up to the website. They'll um, put it on the website ready for publishing and everything. The next time I see it, it'll be on Freedom Ocean, streaming on iTunes. So having that support is fantastic. Now, there are specialist services that do that type of thing on a smaller scale. So if you're not a full-time publisher, you might need someone full-time. But assuming you're doing quite a lot of volume, that's the way to go. But it does take a little bit of training. Mm. Now, to, to train the editor, what I did, rather than hire someone who's got all these podcast editing credentials, because they're going to be quite expensive and they're going to be pretty savvy in terms of other people out there who also want to hire them, what I did is I hire people who weren't podcast editors and I actually go through the process with them. Now, if you're virtual, you can do it screen share. If you happen to visit the country like I do, uh, if you're in the same country or you visit them, when I visit the Philippines, we sit laptop to laptop and I do the training process where I transfer that knowledge. I say, let, let me edit a podcast. You watch. Okay, now you do it and I'll watch. And then now you do it and then just send it to me when it's done and I'll listen to it. And once that process is transferred, can you imagine how much time that saves me? If I would do three podcasts a week for mm. the next year, that's 150 podcasts. That's 150 hours or 100 hours that I don't have to listen to my own voice back taking out ums and ahs. So it's highly leveraged. So you've got that sunken cost and time up front like employing anyone when you do when you employ anyone and then you're free. I do, but then now what you have is I've got a fixed cost. So I have a fixed annual cost for editing. I've got, I pay X amount for the wage. And for that person, if I do 10 podcasts or I do 500 podcasts, my fixed wage is the mm -hmm. same. So my rate per podcast will mm -hmm. change depending on my productivity. So 
you probably guessed on my list of activities that I should be doing, one of them is doing podcasts because um, it's hard for someone else to be me. You know, there's only one me. I I bring my personality to the podcasts as you bring your podcast personality. So we have this unique role, but it also grows our business. It's a creative endeavor or pursuit that we enjoy. It's a way for us to express ourselves and to to pass on knowledge. You can feel good about it. So this is a role I want to do, but I don't want to edit. I don't want to transcribe. I don't want to publish the stuff. Maybe I'll syndicate it because I can put my own voice on that. But anything that I shouldn't be doing, can't do, don't want to do, I'll just have someone else do it or we won't do it at all. And I could tell you there's a long list of stuff that I just don't do at all because I decide it's not worth it. And one of them is to take LinkedIn off my sharing rounds. You know, there's no point in me sharing stuff on LinkedIn. I don't like it. It's like this big spam thing of business to business salespeople. I'm not interested in that market. So I don't bother. I just stopped doing it. And it was so much easier the day I just stopped doing it. So, Jimmy, just to pull you up there, mate, so that, that all makes sense. What you've said so far makes sense. And there's a whole lot of people like me listening who probably at some point in time have thought that the virtual assistant was going to be the cure-all, right? Yeah. Uh, get get someone at five bucks an hour, generally in the Philippines, 40, 40 hours a week, and they do everything you don't want to do. We know that's not the case. We know that, that's, that those people are few and far between. Um, and in fact, I remember interviewing a girl uh, on my on the Small Business Big Marketing Show a few months ago who did put a brief out. She was a, a prolific video marketer in Canada and she did have a brief in the marketplace for what she called the human Swiss army pocket knife. And she said it with a smile on her face knowing that it was going to be hard to find that person. You know, someone who could literally do some editing, organize a logo design, upload a blog post to WordPress arrange for the next series of interviews you know like the whole lot those people are hard to find so therefore what you're suggesting are these people who then and i often talk about the the idea of a virtual marketing team where you do have as even as small business owners we can have a designer sitting somewhere in the world um, a wordpress expert sitting somewhere else a writer sitting somewhere else an seo person sitting somewhere else and what you're suggesting then is Finding them mm-hmm. and paying by the pro, paying them by the project, not by the hour. Is that have I got that right so far? Yeah, so far I agree with you. Some people think they're going to hire an all rounder. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a couple of people in my team. Let's say my team's somewhere around fifty people. I've probably got five or six who you could classify as a Swiss Army knife. I mean, in the beginning, my team were doing everything, and then we specialised. Of the first five people I had in the business, one went off to be the bookkeeper, one went off to run SEO, one went off to run websites, and one went off to um, manage the marketing slash publishing arm. And then they built little teams, and they just specialized. So I've got one one or two full-time illustrators, and all they do is make infographics and pictures. I don't need them to do other stuff like book my appointments or calendar. When you say full-time, do you mean 40 hours a week? Yep. It's a lot of infographics. It is, but we do produce a lot of infographics and we also have a SEO business. Well, you're selling them too, aren't you? It's not just for your business, but it's for your clients. That's right. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So we have, uh, we're a content company. Yeah. We create, we do a lot of articles, hundreds and hundreds of articles yeah. and illustrations gotcha. and videos. So 
we have this we have this because that's that's my business now if i was just the publishing side if i was just doing the coaching community and my high level mastermind my team would probably be about five or six people that would be that's really what we need to drive millions of dollars of sales from the marketing side of thing now the seo and the website development teams i mean they require a lot of human grunt work mm. you know it's hardcore stuff there's no automation anymore there's no machines or spam bots we we're just doing it by hand so i'm just talking about if i'm in timbo situation it's likely depending on what your goals are if you just want to run your marketing blog and your community and book keynote speeches you could probably handle a small team of two or three people and do most of the things one could be quite good with web dev stuff one could be quite good with um, marketing and content stuff and then one might be uh, more of a designer because you're constantly going to be doing keynote slides websites landing pages and that sort of stuff so you can do that. And yes, you could have specialists around the world. Like, for example, I've got a guy helping me with my Facebook advertising campaign. And he's somewhere else in the world. I'm not sure where. And he just helps me with just the Facebook stuff. And that's that's all we talk about. He's not in my team in the Philippines. He's not um, anywhere else in, in my project management system. He doesn't have a company email address. He just contracts for specialist facebook advertising and also i hired a specialist adwords guy for the last six years just to run adwords campaigns for my clients you know you find the person who's the best person for that role you work out a contract fee they invoice you they deliver you're not hiring you're not training you're not managing them you're just getting a deliverable result that is going to be world class if you source well is the best place to find these people still Elance? I've never used Elance or Odesk in my life. You know, so I, for me, no. Probably not the right person to ask, eh? Because you've got a team now that's so set up that you're getting word of mouth. But word of mouth, you know, the Facebook guy, he was a customer of mine and he kept sending me messages with ideas and now I can prove. The guy who designs my um, websites for or the, the podcast logos and stuff was a listener to my other podcast. He kept sending in logo suggestions until one of them was actually quite good and we replaced it and then interviewed him and he came on to be a full-on Silver Circle client and, you know, he's doubled his business. So they come from my network. They come from word of mouth. But these days you could easily go to a Facebook group and say, who's good with such and such? That's where a lot of our business comes from. For, for example, SEO. Someone go, who's an SEO master and they'll say james shramko and then they'll look up my website and then they'll come and buy something so word of mouth is still as strong as ever and that's how you can find supply certainly a community like your community or my community there's any number of suppliers to the internet marketing industry i've got adwords agents mm -hmm. i've got designers i've got writers they're all in there and they um they basically are not hard to find if you're looking for a particular task. Sometimes people just go to my support desk and ask us. Um, you, you've been very, obviously your your fifty strong team. Mm. I'm guessing is ninety percent plus based in the Philippines. Yeah, well, that's there. There are fifty in the Philippines. Okay, so uh, you're big on that. Yeah, and there's good reasons for that. Huge, and I've tried other countries. Right, so. 
you've just said going in into communities in social media or forums and all that type of stuff, that's generally those communities aren't full of people based in the Philippines. They are full of people normally based in Australia, New Zealand, America. Well, they're everywhere. They're from everywhere. There'll be, yeah. there'll be Filipinos directly. There'll be Westerners who have specialized services like my web development. So the upside of Philippines is um, time zone difference, is, is minimal, great English-speaking people, and the cost of living is low, so the hourly rate is also low. Um, so there's some upside to that. But it, So should there be, like, if you are looking at surrounding yourself with this virtual marketing team, is kind of should you first look to the Philippines? Well, you look at your own business first. How big is your business? What's your long-term goal? Do you suck at running a team or managing people? So give you an example. If you thought you're going to be updating your website a lot, you might try and hire someone in the Philippines to do your website development and hosting and you know work with you on that. Or you just go to a Western company like uh, the guy who did your website or my company, mm-hmm. and you just say, here's some money, can you build me a website? You put in the job, they build it, it's done. We go and hire the labor, we manage the team, we make sure they're effective, we guarantee the work. You know, like in my website team, there's, say, 10 people. So if we come up against a code challenge, we can put it between 10 people in our private discussion and say, who can fix this? It's going to be much faster than hiring one contractor off Odesk or, or whatever. You're really limited when you go for one person. So you really have to figure out what's the right solution for your business. If, you're, if you know you're not going to hand over jobs, if you're not interested in hiring or training or managing, then there's no point building a small army because it's going to disintegrate. You're better off just to deal with contract specialists who know what they're doing, you agree on a rate either ongoing or one time depending on what you need and just deal with a small group of suppliers instead of trying to build your own thing and if you think you're always going to have that demand if you think you can manage people quite well then sure go and build your own team but i can tell you a lot of people have gone and built a team of five or six and then six months or 18 months later they're they're like oh who needs a web developer i've got to let him go i see it all the time it's not for everyone it it really does take a whole set of new skills doing human resources because you know humans by nature are you know they're very emotional and tricky instruments to uh to deal with compared to to logical stuff like facebook ads you know so stick to your core strength for you that's probably speaking and Mm. producing content and find the best possible solution for delivering the stuff. But but I would say it depends on two main things. One is, what is your business and where are you going with it? And two is, what are you currently doing right now that is stopping you from having the right business in the first place? Because all, all that stuff on that list, I would go through that list with you and I'd say, well, why do you do that? Do you need to do that? No, cross it off. Or, um, you know, why are you doing this when there's plenty of experts around who could do that? And one of the biggest false economies is people do stuff to, inverted commas, you know, save on the money. Well, let's just take an extreme example, websites, the, the most common one, and I certainly did this. I'm number one offender, building your own website. Took me like two years to properly build a yeah. website. Am I kidding? Why would you ever? A customer can come and pay us $299 and have a website today or tomorrow, finished, with all the opt-in integrated, a new logo made, posts moved across, plugins updated, everything. 
that is a huge saving of time. So, you know, in my case, I must have, I must, I probably worked on my website for like five cents an hour and I should have just paid someone else to do it. And that option's there. That's why my service was created. What do you think about, you're absolutely right, it was a dumb thing to do, but it was. You, you also learnt a lot along the way. You, you also do have a lot of knowledge that you wouldn't have had if you'd kind of immediately gone and got someone to do it. So what value did you put on that? Yeah, it's true, and I wouldn't have found my affiliate program. However, um, I didn't know what I was doing either. I had no idea what my expertise was. I didn't know what I was going to sell, so I just tripped over it. <laughs> If someone is an expert, if they're like an educator on a particular topic that, you know, if they speak from platform, if they've published a book, if they have an e-commerce site, with kids toys or whatever, if they already know their thing, the last thing they should be doing is being a low paid web developer because there's plenty of web developers out there. Well, yeah. And that's just an obvious example. It's a good example, though, particularly for our audience and my small business audience. I, I saw a colleague, she was giving a talk about two months ago, probably on a topic that she shouldn't have been speaking about, but she'd been asked to do so. And um, one of the questions she had was, you know, what advice would you give to a small business owner wanting to get a website up? Which Which platform should they use and how should they build it? It was like, Everyone's responding with, oh, WordPress, Squarespace, Joomla, this, that. It's all these. And it's like I came in about 50 comments into the discussion and said, you know, something to the effect of no small business owner should be building their website. They should be focusing on creating really helpful content. And um, it, it, it was almost like the discussion stopped and diverted. And, and it was like, well, I don't build my own website. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. You shouldn't. We've got to be mindful of cash flow. And it takes discipline. The other thing is just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. You know, I'm not editing my podcast. I'm not building my website. I can. I can do it just as well. I could definitely edit my podcast really well. And I've got that personal you know, feeling about what should be here or there. But it turns out that um, it's not the most effective use of my time. I'm better to recharge or get on to the next project. People are, there's people listening right now, Jimmy, saying, oh, you know, it's all right for you guys. You know, you've got the cash flow to do it. Didn't always have the cash flow to do it. My business started from scratch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So well, I just want to say to that, though, that there's the, the cost of employing someone, which you may or may not have the money to do that. There's also the opportunity cost of not of actually you doing the job, which stops you from actually doing other things that you could actually earn a good coin from. Yeah. So it's about putting it, I guess. And it comes down to the, the activities we mentioned. Work out your capacity, work out your 80-20 on that list of all the things. Why don't we just run through a few of the things that I got other people to do when I was starting out and, and why and what it meant to the business. Go for it. All right. So the first thing I hired was a support person because – Every day I was fulfilling bonus requests, like five a day, three to five a day, and it was so much easier for me to pay someone. It was $1,000 a month. A US guy would log in and answer them for me, so now I didn't have to do them. I didn't have to log in every day, check five people in a cart, send five emails. It freed me up to get on to the next thing. Next thing was content. I didn't, I can't type very well. I didn't think it was a good idea for me to be writing all my articles. So I paid someone and I just did the sums. I worked out what it costs to have the articles written and how much affiliate commission I could make from that content. And once it broke even, it was worth doing. So I got a content person. The next thing was, oh, by the way, that person I trained from scratch. I've, 
I found her in a in my um at the job that I was working at. She mm-hmm. had no idea about this entire industry that that even this job existed. <laughs> I trained her from absolute zero because she was such a good writer, and uh, she went on to grow, grow and build her own business mm. from that. So. That's just an example of, of go and catch your own. The first guy, the support guy, was just a word of mouth friend who'd worked on another project and he actually installed my first super fast help, help desk and his name was Matt and he answered the tickets for years until I ended up replacing him with my own team but many years down the track. Then I got help with advertising. As much as I was good with AdWords, you're kidding yourself if you think you're going to run your own Facebook or AdWords campaigns now. The level of knowledge you need is so high. You have to spend a lot of time and effort to learn that or you'll be paying a stupidity tax. So I started outsourcing uh, advertising experts. Then came design because, as you know, design is absolutely critical and definitely overlooked by a lot of people in the online space. Getting proper logos and websites is actually really important because it's uh, online trust, it's that impression, it's the way people feel about you. So design is important. And then I had some, I had a VA a fair way down the track. Uh, I now have a VA who I can just send any instruction to and she'll just organize it, which is great, especially following me up for things or reminding me stuff or chasing me down because the calendar can remind me, but my VA will actually track me down and uh, insist that I do something. <laughs> so it's good to have that uh, backup. And bookkeeping. This one is uh, something I put off too long, but I used to spend two days a year sitting down with all my stuff for the year and trying to do my own preparation to take to the account by, you know, with a calculator and a T column and pen. And it was just frightening. And then it, when, of course, the business got big enough, we went to quarterly statements <laughs> and now we have zero online. One of my team members updates all the costs and charges and classifies them and we can run reports. We can know our monthly profit, you know, all of our costs by department. It's, everything's just completely up to date, tax paid to the minute. And knowing the numbers is absolutely critical in a dynamic marketplace. So that's something that I would encourage it. Again, bookkeeping, there's plenty of services you can get out there for a couple hundred bucks a month that will do all your receipts depending on what country you're in and then you'll be completely on top of your numbers. One of the worst things in business is being like a year or two behind on your tax return and flying in the dark. That's it. That's pretty much it. Love it, mate. And each one of, each one of those you just literally found in your ne- – each one of those people you found in your network. Yeah, or they found me. Uh, a few times um, now just a general rule of advice with with sales if someone's contacting you generally it's not as good for you as them because they're usually a salesperson but it depends on the context now because i have a coaching community and because i had a podcast the people finding me weren't trying to sell me stuff they were just trying to help me uh, because they knew more about something than I knew. I get emails all the time about you know how to speed yeah. up your website or how to do this or that because I mentioned something on a podcast. Like I've mentioned bookkeeping. I'll probably get an email from an accountant telling me something to do with bookkeeping that I didn't know because you know there's a lot of specialists out there who can't get customers and they resonate when they find somewhere they can solve a problem or add value. Mm-hmm. So... For most of those roles, I just hired a specialist service. The, the VA, I think, was the only one that I hired internally from that list in the beginning. And now almost all of those, except for one, 
are handled internally, but I still don't have an in-house advertising expert. So we do a lot of stuff in-house, but we still don't do everything in-house. And that's, uh, you know, we've got the resource to hire and train and manage, but there's some skills that I think you're just going to be really struggling to to get really strong in-house. And I, th- I think Facebook and Google AdWords is one of them because anyone who knows their stuff with that can command a huge rate. Jimmy, is there a point where you do put on that VA to start to be the go the in-between person between you and your team? When you, I think six people in a team is uh, as many as wow. you can handle by yourself. Is that six full-time people or six tasks? Yeah. Six full-timers, right. Six is the number, six or seven. You can't really manage more than that. So you need to put them at arm's length at some point. Up until then, put aside the idea of a VA and just focus on having specialists in particular areas, having a designer who's... Well, actually, I think a VA, if you can find a VA with uh, some sort of responsibility or whatever, that's going to help you hire five or six people on the ground with that inside knowledge, with that cultural context, with the language and everything. That's a good strategy. My first hire in my Filipino team helped me hire probably 35 of the 50. (laughs) So um, it was a good... It was a really good move to get someone who was clearly switched on. Um, but again, no, no, no awareness of online marketing. These people never heard of WordPress or internet marketing, nothing. I, I didn't look for those people. I looked for people who could communicate, who were trustworthy, who were intelligent, who were motivated, that I could groom and train into the perfect people. And here's the thing. We've been going on for five years straight now, so very stable, very loyal, amazing team, absolutely wonderful. You got any eye? Can you share some indicative hourly rates across some of those tasks that you've mentioned? You talked about design, you've talked about writers, VAs. Well, so, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I never work on hourly rates for anything, so I wouldn't know. Okay, talk about a monthly. I, I would either work full time rates, which is monthly. Or a contractor's rate. So, for support, uh, you know, I paid a guy part time a thousand bucks US. He was an American in the beginning, but uh, in the Philippines, you'll get a full time person for somewhere from five hundred to seven hundred dollars a month US. And virtual assistant, depending on their skill set or whatever, again somewhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars a month, depending if they're they're very skilled or senior content people depending on the type of content uh, it could be like four hundred dollars up to eight hundred dollars a month the um advertising now i don't do that in house so if you want if you want say if you had a company spending fifteen thousand dollars a month on adwords you could easily pay someone fifteen hundred dollars a month to manage that campaign and that'd be great value for you if you're a small company doing like a thousand or two of facebook there's plenty of suppliers out there who might charge three or four hundred dollars a month, but you're playing such a small game. Maybe it's not even worth that. For design, you've got everything from ninety nine designs, where you might pay what six or seven hundred dollars for a logo contest, through to you might pay six hundred dollars to two thousand dollars for a professional designer to make your logo or, or web wireframe. It's actually, actually a lot less. Yeah, maybe you can pay less. I think one of my clients paid six or seven hundred dollars for a logo recently. Yeah, well, they sponsor Nine Designs, happen to sponsor my other show, and um, 
you can get designs done from like $299. Right. But I think you can set the rate to attract the designers, yeah, right? Correct. So yeah, the, high, the more the prize money, the… I'm probably being conservative here. Yeah. For in, in-house designers, they're going to be worth a little more than the other types of um, people. If they're good designers, again, 600 to $900 a month US, you'll get a really good designer in the Philippines. Um, bookkeeping, there's services for a few hundred dollars a month, full-timer. I think in our business, someone takes 50% of their time. So you could say that that's probably $350 per month, $400 per month that I'm paying for bookkeeping uh, US, which is significantly less than what my accountant was charging me. And he recommended I go to my team. He said, get your team to do it. They'll be cheaper than us. They'll be quicker than us. And it turns out they're a lot more accurate than them too. (laughs) So... Uh, be- Hello to your because they have context, they know they you know they know what an SEM rush is or a, or a, you know majestic SEO. They, but the accountant doesn't, so I don't have to re-educate the accountant. Now the team knows what a cost is. Good mate. So that's sort of a rough ballpark. That is very helpful. So to recap, uh, figure out all the things. Write a long list of everything you're doing. Yep. Automate what you can. Get rid of. Well, first of all, get rid of. What you can. Yeah. Delete. Delete. Automate. Automate. Um, and then delegate. And then delegate. Start to build that virtual. And only do the high impact stuff. Get the medium stuff's got to go. Just give it to someone else. And that might be either a specialist service provider or you think, okay, I've, I'm going to manage and lead and train these people. I'll go the long haul and I'll get the cheapest rates for the longest term. But just remember that, you know, running a team requires Good buddy. special skills. Well, hopefully that will free people up to spend a little bit more time in the ocean, like yourself, mate. You'd be itching, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. You would be itching. You're heading out now? Oh, I can't wait. Right now? Yeah, it's it's four uh, feet right now, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, like, yeah, I've been watching it all morning. I'm frothing. Oh, well, that's excellent. Yeah, I'm a 43-year-old like grommet. I'm on my bike right now, but that ain't going to happen, so... Uh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, I reckon that's enough. That's that's a uh, that's a head full of great knowledge. And listeners, if um, you do take on any of this and have some success, or even don't have success and still hit some blockages, yeah, tell us your challenges. Tell us your challenges. There is the show notes. If you go to freedomocean.com, uh, in the comments field, uh, Jimmy and I will look at those comments and respond to them. You can always hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash freedom ocean. We love to see and hear what you've got to say. And plus we send emails out for each episode. So um, you can always reply to those emails and we see and respond to those replies. So lots of ways of getting us, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, you have a speedy recovery, Timbo. I will, mate. I will, absolutely. And listeners, uh, hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for diving into the Freedom Ocean with James Schramko and Tim Reed. You've just come that little bit closer to living the life you choose. Please keep in mind that the ideas, opinions, and information shared in the show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of their past employers. And as far as future employers go, well, they're both pretty much unemployable. <laughs>